So before we get started, there is a trigger warning for this episode as we are talking about eating disorders. So if you feel that you're struggling with your relationship with food and you're wanting to seek help, a great place to start is the Butterfly Foundation or with your doctor or an eating disorder specialized health professional. Hello and welcome to the Embody Health Podcast, where Kira and Meg, your dietitian BFFs. We're here to help you break free of diet culture, become besties with food, and find peace with your body. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Embody Health Podcast. You're here with your dietitians, Kia Pates and Megan Boswell. And today we're chatting about secret eating and do you eat in secret? But before we take a deep dive into all the important things about this essentially pretty important topic, we of course want to start off with our rants and our raves, our favorite way to start every podcast. Meg, how's your week been? You know, what are your rants? What are your raves? What's what's going on in your life? Thank you for asking, Kia. Um, my rant is that the other day I drove away from my house with my shoes on top of my car. No way, really? Yeah. How is that even possible? Um, well, so I got into the car without wearing them. They're in my <laughs> hands. <laughs> I needed a hand free. And I must have just left them on top of my car. I normally drive barefoot because I don't, I like the feedback from the pedals. I drive a a manual. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. Um, Yeah, so I left them on top of my car and um, Alex actually saw them the next day on the corner of Hale Street in Brisbane in an area where you can't really stop and get them. (gasps) Oh my gosh, I know where that is. That's like a really weird turn. Oh, oh no. So they must have stayed on for like, 10 minutes oh my gosh. <laughs> like, can you imagine just driving behind you and then there's like someone there that's like oh look there's like her shoes on her car but like what you can't even tell them i oh. was driving to the markets and i actually think that this is now cursed because the previous time i was driving back from the markets i left um uh, a cup of uh, like juice on the top of my car oh my gosh <laughs> and some people across the street were like Hey, you've got a juice on your car. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you need like a it. you need like a post-it note on your steering wheel that's like, have you checked the top of your hair? At uh, the top of the top <laughs> of your car, Meg. Um, just to, you know, check it off. It's a little tick box for you. I think I'm getting increasingly absent-minded. Maybe it's age, who knows? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. That is like my biggest fear. I, I don't really put things on the top of my car too much, but I always put my phone there. Uh-oh. And I'm always worried that I'm gonna drive off without my phone. But you know, when you get in the car, you usually like put your phone on the music and stuff. So it's probably quicker than shoes where, you know, you're down the road, it's thrown off the, um, you know, your car and RIP shoes. Yeah. So rest in peace to my white pumas. I have bought some more though. Oh, so that's good. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. It's a perk there at the end of the day. Um, my rave is that I finally got back to the gym last night after having to take a couple of weeks off with being sick. Um, and it was okay. It was a bit, bit challenging, but I pretty much just did maybe 50 to 75% effort. Um, so I'm not uh, going too hard, too fast. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. It's a little bit of something, you know, bring in that self-compassion. Like we always say, you don't have to be perfect. Doesn't have to be a hundred percent, but at least you kind of did something, got in there. 
Yeah, it felt really nice to move my body after being quite sedentary. Mm. So looking forward to gradually easing back in a bit more. Yeah, slowly building up all those muscles. So, and you said you want to potentially do powerlifting competition in the future as well. (laughs) I did say that, didn't I? Mm. Uh, Stay tuned. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) Um, Kia, what are your rants and raves? How's your week been? Um, Yeah, my week's been pretty good. Definitely. Let's start off with my rave. So my raves was on the weekend. Um, I went, it was actually kind of two raves within the same one with the same event on the weekend on Sunday. Um, Matson and I caught up with my best friend and her new husband um, at this awesome little Vietnamese restaurant in West End where they have like the best Vietnamese salads. They've got this really like, Mm. I love Vietnamese salads. What's it called? I think it's called Quan Tan. Okay. I'm not entirely sure. I don't even know if that's a, the proper name for the restaurant. So don't quote me on that. I think I think it's on a hard grade road. Um, but like it was just so yum. They do these massive bowls of noodles. I've got like this really nice tofu and these really tasty spring rolls. So we love it. And so it was nice going there. And my mom took Skylar, my two-year-old. So we could actually sit down and talk because she's very energetic and you literally just can't have a conversation when she's around. Um, so we just had the little three month old summer with us. So it was really nice to, to do that. And then, uh, you know, because my mum had Skylar, um, Matson and I actually ended up on going on a just spontaneous date after that, which Cute. was really fun. Yeah. And we weren't even planning to, um, we thought my mum would be back with Skylar cause she took her to a birthday party, um, like way earlier than that. Um, but yeah, no, she was only home way in the evening. So, um, Matson and I tried this new little bar called Ruby, my dear, um, that, uh, it's like kind of near where we live here in Newstead. And it was so nice. I had these awesome veggie dumplings at Edamame. Um, and it's kind of funny because we went to this bar because they had live music, which was just really nice on a Sunday. But Matson and I, when we first moved into kind of Newstead, when Matson and I kind of first started working in our professions about like five or six years ago, we said, okay, when Matson gets his first paycheck as a teacher, um, we'll go have a drink at this bar like this well it, it was a different name at the time um and we uh we never did it so it's like Aww. literally been on like our list of things to do for about six years um and so we finally did it on finally the ticked it off oh that's cute that's yeah. exciting so that was really nice and wholesome and Sunday was full of good food for me um but I think that also highlights like you know that spontaneity you know I think when you're struggling with your relationship with food, it's really, really rigid. Um, We don't necessarily, we can't have those spontaneous random outings with food. Um, And so that was really nice because that was a nice moment with, you know, my partner. Um, So my rant though, on the other hand, was um, I guess more so of a reflection a little bit on life. So I was preparing for a talk that I was writing yesterday and I was thinking a lot about what creates disordered eating um, and especially just reflecting on the relationship with food I've had throughout my life and my partner's relationship with food. So I've kind of struggled with my relationship with food growing up, struggled with disordered eating, etc. Partner's never had any of that at all. He can eat when he's hungry. He can stop when he's full. He has never really been told throughout his life that he needs to diet or lose weight. Um, and it just kind of really highlighted. And like, this is going to be a bit stereotypical, but I would say 
generally females get a lot more pressure um, to change our bodies, to go on diets than males experience it. That's not to say males don't experience it at all. They definitely do. Um, but, you know, I generally probably assume that females get it maybe a little bit stronger. I think males experience it maybe different ways, less overt. Mm. Um, and so kind of when I posted that Instagram last night, there was so many people that commented that kind of shared the same experience as well. And it's just kind of, I don't know, it's just like one of those other things that just hit you sometimes and you go, okay, wow, like where are we going wrong? You know, kids grow up together. You know, I think about Skylar who's in the you know, same toddler room with all these, you know, boys and girls and everyone. Um, but, you know, some of these children are going to go on to experience a lot of exposure to diet culture and some of them maybe not so much. And it's just, um, it's interesting that gender potentially plays such a role here as well. It just makes me angry. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, very valid. Very mm. valid brand. And I'm sure something that a lot of people can relate to. Mm, definitely. But let's get into the topic of today's episode. So we're chatting today all about secret eating. So if you haven't come across secret eating before, if this is the first time that you've heard about it, generally what it is, it's a form of disordered eating that happens when someone eats alone in order to hide their eating habits or hide what they're eating. And it normally tends to involve eating foods that are commonly accepted or deemed by society to be junk food or quote unquote bad foods. Now, there is a difference of, you know, just simply eating alone um, and secret eating because the the difference with secret eating is there's that effort there to hide the food. So it's going, it's not just I'm sitting alone in my bedroom because there's no one at home and I feel like sitting in my bedroom to eat it's I'm going to sit in my bedroom to eat so I don't experience the judgment of people around me or I don't want other people to see what I'm doing yeah so a helpful rule of thumb is whether you would be upset if someone walked in on you while you were eating alone um, then that's a pretty uh, strong sign that you're experiencing secret eating Mm, definitely and generally after secret eating as well you might try and to cover up or hide what's happened. So this might be potentially hiding food wrappers or bearing food packaging in the trash or could even look at potentially eating food in the car. So on the way home or maybe getting, this is again a bit stereotypical here, but you know maybe you're getting Macca's drive-through on the way home so that you come home and no one actually realizes that you ate anything. Yeah, and you'll find that secret eating is usually accompanied by some kind of feeling of guilt or shame Mm. um so there often are some strong emotions around it as well Mm. so generally let's talk a little bit about the research so generally the research on secret eating is quite limited and it's mainly been studied in children and adolescents however we do know that secret eating can happen at any age of our life And it's really, really important to address it as it can be an early warning sign of an eating disorder. When we were looking at the research for this, we did find that one study found around 50% of adults with binge eating disorder reported eating in secret. So is it an eating disorder? So it's not necessarily an eating disorder itself, but secret eating is more so a potential sign of an eating disorder. So it is part of the diagnostic criteria for binge eating disorder, but kind of on its own, it doesn't kind of classify as binge eating disorder just because you're secret eating. Yeah. So if we look at 
what does classify as binge eating? So you you would have to meet certain criteria as per um, the DSM-5. So um, binge eating is essentially defined as eating a larger than average amount of food. So more than what just like you're a normal person would eat in one sitting and a sense of loss of control while eating. Mm. So we think that secret eating has a similar effect as restriction as it can also increase binge eating episodes and it triggers feelings of deprivation as it puts this food on a pedestal as being the forbidden fruit. So those are often the foods that we might find ourselves secret eating. Yeah. And secret eating can happen with small or large amounts of food, but it doesn't necessarily involve a loss of control. Mm. So if you are someone that feels like you are secret eating regularly, it generally can be something that's worthwhile to look into, um, whether that's with a trusted friend or family member, potentially first, if you don't feel like seeking help from a health professional, but then maybe looking at a GP or a psychologist or a dietitian um, that specializes in the area of eating disorders. And that's generally because secret eating can be um, a potential sign of an undiagnosed eating disorder. And you do want to work with someone who probably has experience in the area of Mm -hmm. eating disorders and disordered eating because it can be something that's really difficult to talk about and and we'll be able to know it for what it is and chat with you in more depth. Mm, Definitely. To eat in secret. So generally secret eating stems from being insecure about your food choices and having that desire to avoid judgment when eating. And oftentimes it can be really interlinked with body image concerns. Um, So looking at the research, a study among adults found that the more frequently secret eating happened, the greater the individual's concerns were around food, weight and body shape. And you might also find that people are judging your eating choices due to your weight or your size, and that can reinforce that need to want to hide your eating. And that's definitely something we hear a lot with our clients as well, um, is that you know, feeling ashamed because um, people have either in the past said to said something to them about their eating habits, um, potentially even like in a public environment um, or even comments from families and friends about their eating habits. And it can also be even just internalized from the media and societal messaging, even mm. if you haven't had comments directly made to you. Mm, definitely. So another reason as to why we might want to eat in secret is because of dieting. So we do know that secret eating can often be a product of having a restrictive diet or going on a specific diet. Yeah. And we also know that those feelings of guilt and shame might come up around the kind of food as well, especially if you're not eating, if you're eating foods that aren't on the diet plan. So you're feeling like you're falling off the bandwagon or you're going off plan. And that can create that really black or white way of thinking. We're either good because we're following the diet or we're bad because we're off the diet or we're fallen off the bandwagon. And another part of this as well is potentially when you've started a diet, you might tell friends or family you're on a diet. So, hey, mom, like, you know, I'm going on a diet this week, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then if kind of uh, if the diet is making you feel restricted, and your cravings intensify and you really really wanting food that's off the diet to avoid the feeling shameful or experiencing the judgment of other people you might want to 
go, you know, eat in secret to avoid any sort of comments or judgments from other people. Yeah, absolutely. And another aspect that can lead into secret eating is that element of control. So secret eating can also happen when a person feels a sense of lack of control in their daily life. So this can be particularly common for children and adolescents because you do have less autonomy and less independence. Mm, Yeah, so when we see with children, we see potentially a parent or a guardian has restricted them from secret Uh, from a certain food and then potentially the child is eating in secret in their bedroom or um, the parent might find wrappers um, hiding around somewhere that's indicated that they've maybe eaten in secret yeah and I guess another element that could come in is food scarcity Mm -hmm. as well so if, if you don't have access to enough food or limited access to certain foods um it can come in as a way to um try and eat and no one knows about it essentially Mm, definitely and generally kind of that eating in secret really is a way to help us gain control and manage difficult emotions especially if there's a lot of things going on in our life that we just don't have any control over another aspect that can contribute to secret eating is um negative emotions or difficult or distressing emotions so oftentimes emotional distress can be the cause or the trigger for secret eating Mm. and that can create this feeling of almost like a rush from eating in secret because we've uh, finally allowed or we're finally giving ourselves permission to eat this food that we haven't had the ability to eat and that can temporarily mask or soothe us from experiencing those difficult emotions So we're going to chat about um, some of our guidance and strategies around how to stop eating in secret. And step one is about self-compassion. Because secret eating is so often tied up with weight and body image concerns, we really want to focus on kind of bringing in that self-compassion, which is about reducing guilt and the shame around eating. And as part of that, we might also practice reframing negative thoughts about our body and our eating habits as well. One of the ways that I like to think about self-compassion is thinking about what we might say to a friend or a family member, because sometimes it's difficult to say it to ourselves and go, okay, what would I say to myself that's different to what I'm currently thinking? But often we're a lot kinder to other people. So going, okay, if my friend presented uh, to me with this problem or with these struggles, what would I say to them? And if you feel like you're struggling to do this on your own, Of course, seeking further support can be really helpful. So if you're able to access um, an eating disorder specialized dietitian, such as Kia and myself, um, and or a psychologist in this area, that can be really helpful in terms of reframing those thoughts about food. And our favorite all-time website, all about self-compassion, is the website selfcompassion.org, which has got some guided self-help on there as well. By Dr. Kristen Neff. She's great. So the second thing that we want to do to break away from secret eating is avoiding restrictive diets. And this is because we know that much of the feelings of guilt and shame that can lead people to eat, hide food and eat in secret stems from the belief that certain foods are bad and shouldn't be, shouldn't be eaten, which fits into that good food, bad food mentality that we often talk about here on the potty. 
Yeah, so we really want to kind of move to more of an all foods fit approach with food. So this means allowing ourselves unconditional permission to eat everything, no matter if it's an apple or a salad or a burger or pizza. They all are food. They're all, we we generally say food doesn't have any moral value. We really want to kind of take away those labels. Now, again, that's a lot easier said than done and we do have a few different podcast episodes if you uh, scroll back and listen to the Embody Health series um, about how to kind of break away from restrictive dieting. But of course, you know, a dietitian can also help you do that too. Yep. And one of the reasons why having this all foods fit approach is so important is it can help you get off the wagon the vicious cycle of following a restrictive diet, then falling off the wagon or breaking the diet and then trying to get back onto it again. So it's essentially just neutralizing all food. So the next part of the puzzle is thinking about what the underlying cause of the secret eating might be. So generally we do find secret eating can be a symptom of a greater issue, could be depression or a way to manage difficult emotions like we've talked about or potentially an eating disorder. And this is where it's just helpful to take time to notice, notice the trends around when and why your secret eating is happening. Um, Notice if there are any patterns and keeping a little bit of a, a food and mood diary can be really helpful with this as well. And this can be even a useful thing to do prior or during working with a dietitian psychologist. I know I keep on saying that, but um, essentially food and mood diaries can provide some really good pointers for your work with working with health professionals in the future as well. Um, Because essentially it allows us to get to that root cause and go, okay, I'm I'm noticing some patterns in your mood around this kind of eating pattern. And then you can develop some strategies specific to that. Mm-hmm. And part four of the puzzle is, of course, working with a professional um, if you're able to do so. So you can work with us through um, Embody Health through our practice. So you can always book a free discovery call to say hello and, and get to know us and share your story um, just on our website, www.embodyhealth.com. Or you could also work, or we actually probably more so recommend alongside, because we are big advocates for working with psychologists, um, working with a, a psychologist that's specialized in eating disorders in particular. Um, so you can find them through the Butterfly Foundation. There's a list of psychologists on there. However, we do ha- also have a list of many psychologists that we work with. So if you ever are after options, we are happy to send them through to you as well. Just send us a DM on Instagram. Hmm. or an email so should we summarize everything Meg yes so today we chatted about um, what secret eating actually is how it differs from binge eating but maybe a part of that potentially we talked a little bit about some of the research and whether it's an eating disorder but we talked about the fact that it is more so can be a sign of an eating disorder rather than being a diagnosable eating disorder itself We talked about some reasons why secret eating might happen. So these include body image concerns, dieting, control, food scarcity, or negative emotions. And then we talked about a couple of strategies on how to stop secret eating. So we talked about bringing in self-compassion, avoiding restrictive diets, identifying the underlying cause, and potentially working with the eating disorder psychologist or dietitian. Yeah, we hope you found this episode helpful. 
If you have, don't forget you can always send it to a friend or a family member if you think that they may benefit from it as well. If you have enjoyed the episode, you can always leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We do read everyone, so thank you to everyone who has left us a review previously. Thank you so much. It makes our heart warm. And if you do want to join the Embody Health community or work with us, you can do that by www.embodyhealth.com where you can join our mailing list to stay up to date with all the things we're doing and the latest potty episode and also on instagram and tiktok at embodyhealth.com we hope you've enjoyed this episode and we can't wait to see you next time thanks so much for being here bye